We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. True Faith, Newcastle United podcast. It's Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, Newcastle United 1. You've got myself, Alex Hurst, Norman Riley from our hotel in Birmingham, where we stayed overnight. Another fantastic weekend in Birmingham, apart from the football, but more more of that later. Uh, Norman Newcastle have been beaten again. Steve Bruce says there are positives. Um, seven Premier League games without a clean sheet, I believe, as well. Yes, we played Burnley in the League Cup, another Premier League team who we failed to beat. We kept a clean sheet against them, though, so, you know, positives there, right? Um, but, um, no, I mean... The game, we equalised. You think, well, actually, we've equalised the way. We had a good chance with Maximin to, to take a 2-1 lead. But the game as a whole, we created very little. And, and you could argue that Wolves created very little as well. But ultimately, it's almost like they didn't have to. They kind of just stepped up a gear when they needed to. Um, and for Bruce to say there's positives coming out of that, what, what, what are they? Like, I'd like to know what, what those specific positives are and are those positives enough to carry us into the next game against Spurs and enough to kind of give us the impetus to win. I, I don't think so, mate. To me, it looks like it looks like a bit of a sinking ship, and I don't think Bruce is the man to to kind of bail the water out. We are sinking fast, as far as I can see. Um, so, not positives. Nah, no, mate, sorry. Really, really trying, yeah, to, to think of them. I've been trying all month to think of them. Um, and I can't, even individual performances. Maximin, perhaps, again, was excellent. You know, he had to deal with three or four Wolves players marking him, and he still shone. But that would be as far as it could... It could, I can stretch, I'm afraid. Issue for me with, with Bruce's positives, and listen, he uses different words each week. Sometimes he says positives, like yesterday he says, I can't keep standing here every week saying the same thing when we haven't won, and then he immediately goes on to say the same thing, which is, they didn't have many chances, we didn't take our chances. And we were at the game, and I appreciate not everyone listening to this will have been at the game or watch the game. That's why we'll come and do these things. Watch, we'll come and watch this team in the flesh um, and ruin <laughs> ruin an otherwise excellent weekend. <laughs> because Newcastle were dreadful. Newcastle were dreadful yesterday. They were dreadful against West Ham. They were dreadful against Aston Villa. They were better against Leeds and Watford, but albeit two very poor teams that they played. They were very poor for parts against Manchester United. Like you say, there is nothing from this team whatsoever that suggests that they are progressing as a football team, that they're getting better each week. That performance, mate, was almost identical to Aston Villa away. Mm -hmm. It was the same performance. It was the same lack of creativity. It was the same easy goals for the opposition. It was, and this is the point, the Wolves' fans yesterday were on their team's back 
because they weren't happy with what they saw. You know, Wolves were wasteful in possession. They were negative. They passed the ball backwards when they had players in space forwards. And once again, Newcastle have been beaten by a team who didn't have to play well to beat us. And this is the concerning thing, mate. When Bruce talks about positives, when Danny Murphy goes on national television last night, I mean, you watched it, so why don't you talk me through it and tell me why you think we're hearing what we're hearing. So Murphy, at the end of the Newcastle highlights, said that, well, Newcastle, you know, they are playing more front foot football now. This this magical word front foot, you know what it's front foot? It was never even a phrase I didn't have in my mind two years ago. Didn't Front foot football, I think they used to call it attacking football back in the day, but um, or just trying to score. Um so he said that because of this supposed front for football we're playing, and the stats came up, you know, um, tenth, tenth best in the league for expected goals, tenth best for expected goals, by the way, wow, um, and eighth most shots at goal, um, but that's come to, according to Danny. It's meant that we've sacrificed our defensive solidity because obviously the last two seasons defensively we've been incredible. Of course, if you look at the goals we've conceded, um, we, I mean we haven't, um, and you're thinking why are you seeing this, Danny? And Ian Wright is sat there shaking his head. And Wright's basically saying, well, no, I think this is this is a terrible, terrible team and it's down to the manager to get the balance right. If they're playing more attacking football, then they still need to to get that balance. You can't sacrifice one for the other, even if that's the case, which we know we know that it isn't, right? I mean, these games, the same games last season, if you take Watford out of it, we scored more goals last season and we conceded less. So what does it matter if we've got more, we'll have more shots at goal? What does it actually matter when the results are worse, we're scoring less goals and we're conceding more? Um, you know, Bruce always says it's about the accumulation of points, right? Well, we're not accumulating very many at the moment, despite the fact that we've had loads and loads of shots, apparently. Um, and, and why Murphy's saying it, I, I genuinely don't know. It's, it's every season under Bruce, or every sort of, like, let's say, crisis point, of which there'd be many, there always seems to be a narrative constructed immediately. There's a, there's a narrative in, you know, it, whether it's injuries, um, which it was for basically two seasons. Um, well, if Callum Wilson wasn't the team, they'd be winning a lot more games. If Maximum was fit, they'd be winning a lot more games. Um, or you know, other players are programmed by Rafa. The you know Bruce is trying to get them to change from the the brainwashing they've had by the previous manager, and now it's um, now it's well. Steve's trying to get them to play better football, and they're playing better football, but that's sacrificing their defensive solidity. It's just it's just one excuse after another. Why is Danny Murphy saying this? I genuinely don't know. I can only assume it's down to the fact that Bruce, as we've said on numerous occasions, seems to be very well liked among the the sort of British footballing fraternity, um, and. A fair play to Ian Wright, as I say, he said that. Well, that's just not not the case at all. Um, it 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 ties into the, the bigger picture, which is the which is the questions that journalists supposedly you know journalists air quotes put to Steve Bruce post match. Nobody asks Steve Bruce at the end of the game, right? This is what they do. Rather than saying, "Okay, Steve, so you had you start with four at the back and then you switch to five. Why? What was the logic behind that when you went to goal down? Um, you start with four at the back and you had a left winger slash midfielder left back." when you had a left-back on the bench that you paid £12.5 million for and you played a left-winger as a centre-forward when you had a centre-forward on the bench who you gave a contract last season, what is the rationale? They give us the, can you can you give us insight into why you were making these decisions? None of that. It's, so Steve, you're in a tricky situation but you've had 900 games, you'll have to use all your experience to get out of this, won't you? Yes, I've had 900 games, I'll have to use all my experience to get out of this, it's really tough. It, it's They're giving him questions with the answers inside of the question for him to then just parrot it back and it, it, it kind of makes a mockery of, of the whole concept of Football journalism, right? There's not, there's just nothing there. Um, so rather than insightful, probing questions, he just gets like, "Hi, Steve. Good to see you. Well, that was bad today, but you've got 900 games in your belt, so you'll be all right, won't you? Yes, I'll be all right. That, that's it." This thing about the eighth most shots on goal or whatever, 
is heavily skewed by the Watford and Leeds games. If you look at Newcastle's performances against West Ham, against Aston Villa, against Man United, even against Southampton, I mean, we had a few more shots against Southampton. We hardly, we hardly created anything at all. And this isn't like one or two games, this is half of the season. You look at the, there's two crucial things that I would counter to anyone who says, oh, well, Newcastle have had the eighth most shots in the league. Okay, well, we've conceded more goals than any other team, level with Norwich. People are pretty much accepting that Norwich are going to be relegated. That's almost like an accepted conversation now. It's kind of not up for debate. Um, we have two more points than Norwich and have conceded the same number of goals. So what? how how Danny Murphy can... Here, here are the stats, Danny. Newcastle have the worst defensive record in the league. Norwich, by the way, have played like Everton away, Liverpool away, it's Liverpool at home, Man City away. All right? Um, Newcastle, of all their fixtures so far, the only hard game could be described as Manchester United away, which, by the way, since Manchester United played Newcastle, is looking less like the horror fixture that it was when we went into that fixture, which is pretty um, typical, I'd say, for, for Bruce's Newcastle. We've conceded the most goals. We look defensively shaky. So how Murphy could then say we've sacrificed something that didn't exist. Newcastle last season conceded more goals at St. James's Park than any other season in the Premier League under Bruce. It's almost like there's no there's no dignity in this anymore. And I see a lot of stuff on social media wondering if Bruce will walk away. The the man has absolutely no no class and you know, some people say, Well that doesn't matter, he just needs to win football matches. I go back to Rude Hollett. And you could argue Jack Hart, Charlton, but Ruth Hullett as well. Looked at the situation, saw, I can't do this, and walked away without a payoff. Steve Bruce is here until he gets a payoff. He stands there week after week, lying to himself, lying to the media, lying to the fan base, lying to the wider football world about something that is just not true. It is just not true that if Newcastle took their chances there would be a good team and there would be further up the league. It's simply not true. If Southampton had taken their chances, they would have won the game over Newcastle taking their chances. If, if, if Wolves had taken their chances yesterday, they would have been two up before we, we scored. Yeah. In a 2-0 it's game over, right? Because we know from experience that under Steve Bruce, Newcastle United, coming back from two goals down is a, a virtual impossibility. I think um, Everton perhaps away is the only time that's happened. And that was a complete anomaly by throwing up Florian Lejeune up front and just hoping for the best. Um, I think I'll, you, you mentioned lying there, and I think that kind of ties into the the conversations that go on on the sidelines. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying these are lies, but it's I suppose it's the responsibility. So who's taking responsibility for these decisions? So let's say for example yesterday, right? We go goal down, and then he switches from four at the back, four at the back. Those games against Watford and Leeds where we've supposedly been, you know, creating tons of chances, um, they were four at the back, right? You know, the, the kind of slapdash chaos football that we play comes when we've got four at the back. So then we go go down and he switches to five at the back. What are the conversations on the sidelines that are happening? Yeah, like this, this is what I like to know is the coaches, Agnew Clemens and Graham Jones, high, very highly rated Graham Jones, by the way. It, is, it, is it those coaches who are saying to him, we need to switch this to five at the back, like during the game? Or is it him saying, let's switch the five at the back and then nobody challenging him on it? What, I, I really can't grasp what is what, what the communication is between these four people who are running, running the team. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that, mate. I'd be really interested to know. Well, it's, it, it, I think it ties into the point I was making, so I'm pleased you brought it up, about the lack of decency and the lack of honesty here. Newcastle have been booed off 
in every single fixture they've played this season. They were booed off against West Ham. They were booed off against against Aston Villa by the away end. They were booed off against Burnley after losing the penalty shootout. They were booed off against Southampton. They were booed off against Manchester United by the, uh, the away end. They were booed off against Leeds, I think was the next game. They were booed off at Watford. and They were booed off yesterday by the away end. And then you've got a bloke who comes out after each game and talks about progress, playing well, unlucky, we're nearly there. And it's like the two things can't be true. You can't have a fan base and open revolt. We'll talk about the away end just a little bit later. And and what he is saying, it's just not honest. It, it's Steve McLaren-esque vibes where McLaren, towards the end of his reign, is getting pumped 5-1 at Chelsea and stood there grinning, saying, it'll come. I've got faith it'll come. They're just words now. They're just words. And, and like, I agree with you that the, the, the people who get paid to talk about this shit, the people that get paid to ask the man, they are asking Steve Bruce questions about what has happened to try and provide an explanation about why what happened happened. Saying that you've been a manager for 999 games, that's not an explanation. Right, you got beat, but you've been a manager a long time. So what? It's like, it would be like, be like speaking to a motorist, right, you, um, you caused a pileup and a crash, but fucking hell, you've been driving 20 years. Like, the, the two things are irrelevant. And to come back to your point about what's happened on the sidelines, this is the main concern. If there is no honesty there, if there is no, like, right, me and you as fans and people listen to this, if there is no acceptance that what we listen, what we hear Steve Bruce say, I am not confident that is actually what he thinks. So if there's no honesty between Bruce and the press and Bruce and the fans, is there honesty between Bruce and the players? Is there honesty between Bruce and the coaching staff? Did none of the coaching staff say to Steve, Steve, our best player, Alain Saint-Maximin, um, he, he creates a lot of chances. Um, teams can't really handle him, particularly on the left-hand side. Um, we're playing without a striker. Do you think we should do this? Is there, is there no conversation week after week from any of the coaching staff to the manager to say, listen, Steve, we might have got this one wrong. We haven't won any of our previous seven fixtures this season. We'll keep conceding lots of goals. Uh, we're, we're nearly the bottom of the league. Should should we try something different? And like you correctly say, rather than thinking, right, we're 1-0 down, I'm going to bring Dwight Gale on. He goes, uh, I'll bring Javier Manquillo off, who's been one of our better players, um, and I'll bring Jacob Murphy on. But I don't think Jacob Murphy's defensively solid enough to play traditional right back, even though Wolves, like a lot of teams, mate, and I, I might talk about this, I'll talk, actually I will talk about this later. Um, he brings on Jacob Murphy, and it's like, well, I have to play five at the back, so I'm going to play Isaac Hayden, who's been playing centre midfield, as a centre back. And to us as fans, you're like, as you just said, how has this happened? Why are we in the away end? Why have we travelled down this weekend? Why are millions of people watching around the world consuming the Premier League? Why are tens or hundreds of thousands of Newcastle fans that are following and watching this game to see decisions made that there simply is no justification for? And then at the end of the game, the manager to come out and say, we just needed to take what chances. What chances? He says chances, plural. I, I can count chance. Chance. Alison Maximine, six-yard box. And I think I said this on our Match Day podcast for patrons. Um, you can bemoan Steve all you like, Alan Samaxi mean uh, missing in the six yard box. Play a striker if you want if you want there to be a higher probability of your chances being converted. Play a striker. The switches. Bringing on a right winger to play at right wing back when you've got a right wing back already in the pitch and have your manky. We know we know how your manky can play right back or right wing back. Putting Isaac Hayden from midfield, by the way, where Joao Moutinho and Neves were literally given like the, the most of the park, right? So that to then move, you're, you're probably a best defensive midfielder in, in a centre-half position. Or oh, there's already clear clear space there. And then you're moving Isaac Hayden. So you're just creating more space. You're giving them even more space. I mean, giving, giving Joao Moutinho that amount of space is, is ridiculous. Because um, he just run the game, which he did, right? Um, but then you've got Fabian Scheer on the bench. So rather than say, actually, I'm going to leave Isaac Hayden in midfield, his position. 
I'm gonna bring off. Um, I'm gonna. I'm bringing another centre half on. So I'll bring off. Maybe I'll bring off Sean Longstaff. Right. I put. I put Fabian Shane in his proper position. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna leave Javier Manquillo uh, right. Uh, right wing back. I'm gonna sacrifice Matt Ritchie. I'm gonna put on Jamal Lewis, who can play either left wing back or left back. A player who's got pace, and at that stage of the game, who may have actually impacted on it. Let's say in the second half. I've also got Ryan Frears on the bench. Why is Ryan Frears not getting on? This is a kid who created. He's, he's created. He's um. He's rated for sort of creating chances. At Bournemouth was phenomenal. He's now been given an extended run on the Newcastle team. Bring on Dwight Gale. Fifteen minutes to go. Twelve. Oh, sorry, twelve. Yeah, twelve minutes again. So, the, the, as I say, the the decision making process when you've got Shea on the bench, Frears on the bench, Lewis on the bench, you're putting players in in the team who are in, in positions that they're doing playing. Isaac Hayden himself said apparently a few weeks ago, didn't he? I'm not a centre half when he was blamed, I believe, for a for a goal that we conceded. Um, wh wh where's the communication? Who's saying to him, like Steve? Are you sure about this, mate? Like you know, on the sideline, like, Steve? Do you think this is the best, the wisest decision, or is it them on the sideline saying to him? This is what we should do, Steve. We should put Isaac here in at centre half, put Jacob Murphy on at right wing back, take off an actual right wing, uh, right wing back, and we should just keep putting um, square pegs in, in, in round holes. It's 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 baffling, and and it's not even brought up on match day. Ian Wright, I think, was as I say again. Ian Wright said, and, and credit to him, he is questioning it because he obviously, I imagine, he has conversations with Alan Shearer in private, right? And he said, "You're playing Maximino front. He should be on the left. That's where he does most of his damage. It's it's that simple, right? It's that simple." Um, and it. This isn't something that's going to change, mate. This is basically this is like three years now, three years of us of us coming on podcast and saying, "Why is he doing this?" Yeah. The thing to finish off part one, um, I, I, I was going to say that, and I've said this before. Bruce doesn't know his best team clearly. He doesn't know his best formation. He doesn't know what positions players play. Yeah, allegedly, yeah. allegedly he th he thinks it's he thinks this is going well. He thinks performances haven't merited. Points when in when an actual fact you've basically got two versions of Bruce when Newcastle lose. Have you conceded three or more against a um, poor side? Bad. If it's if you lose by the odd one or two goals, okay, you never know. Could have gone a different way. And ultimately, we are going to have to accept we, that that this man is a chancer. He will say anything he possibly can that believes he will stay in the job to be able to be paid off. The, like, I don't. I cannot stand there in the away end yesterday, watching that shambles of a performance. And it is a shambles. And knowing we knew, I think Chris from True Faith put a message in the, the group said, this will be what Bruce says post-game. And it was like literally word for word. Yeah. It's like a game, people listening probably play this themselves with their mates or text their mates, like here's Bruce's post-match conference, like 20 minutes before it drops. And you can just predict what he's going to say. And for Bruce to be stood there saying, our goalkeeper hasn't really had to make a save. It's like, Steve, you've been in the game for five or six decades consecutively. That's not how football works. You stood there at Aston Villa and said the same thing. Aston Villa fans said, was it you that said to on the train, possibly, um, that basically the new that as soon as they scored, the game was over, and the team, like, the fans know it, the management know it. I mean, Newcastle scored a fluke goal, which we'll come on to later. Um, <laughs> like, Everyone else in football, this is me concern, everyone else in football knows what's going on. Wolves were dreadful yesterday. And that's not just me every week saying, oh, Leeds were dreadful, Watford were dreadful, Wolves were dreadful. None of these teams are going to finish in the top 10. They are all poor sides. Wolves fans yesterday, like I said earlier, were on their team's back all game. But what I think Wolves' manager realised is if we just sit fairly deep here, and we stay compact, there is no way Newcastle can break us down. No way. It was a freak. The goal was a freak. There's no way they can break us down. 
and it worked. And it's the same with Villa. It was like Villa just thought, we'll score because these lads can't defend. We'll score and we'll win. And in the second half, it got it got to the stage, mate, where obviously you want the team to score. And obviously you've, we've travelled all the way down here. But fucking hell, you're just like, we, we, just, like, we don't deserve a point from this football game. We just don't deserve it. How long can we go? We didn't deserve a point from fucking Southampton. You could argue we didn't deserve a point against Leeds. Yes, it was better when he changed formation. Leeds should have been three or four nil up at half time. They should have had a penalty. Like we, I do, I can't sit here lying to myself or stand there in the end lying to myself that we're watching anything other than an absolute shambles from what is supposed to be an elite sporting outfit. What we're going to do, mate, in part two, is uh, analyse the game a little bit more uh, right after this message. So now in part two of the show, I'd like to talk about the game, what happened, why it happened, how it happened. Um, let's kick off, mate, with the two Wolves goals. A lot of criticism levelled at Carl Darlow on social media, people in the OAN yesterday. The Match Day podcast, which we record during the game, which we kind of talk about the game afterwards, but then kind of film the or record the authentic crowd noise. Um you hear me on the recording saying, keepers, keepers, keepers come out for the first goal. Darlow doesn't come for the ball. Then when he, it, it is apparent that the lad has got through to the six-yard box almost, he comes out and the player slides the ball past him. Second goal, uh, he stays on his line. So it looks like he's maybe thought from the first one, well, I shouldn't have come out. And but I, th- I don't think anyone can argue they're both good finishes. But they both look like soft goals, and I think we concede a lot of goals that you don't quite often see at this level. What was your take? I think on it both would be goals, harsh mate? to solely blame Darlow. You're right; he could have done better. But ultimately, we know what kind of goalkeeper Darlow is. He can make great saves, but he really comes off his line. I don't think his command of the 18 yard box is necessarily what what it ought to be for a keeper in a, in the Premier League. Um, so I, I would hesitate to say that you know if Darlow had done better then we would have you know we would have won the game if we'd only take my chances and we've only called Darlow made saves we would have won the game um I think the fact is that those both those goals were down to the fact that the amount of space Wolves got in the center of the park was ridiculous um I've already alluded to Moutinho and Neves having more or less sort of 50 yards to just ping passes around in Raul Jimenez mate um and I think both did the first goal come from a Kieran Clark mistimed tackle and the second one from a Longstaff one, perhaps? They just couldn't, they, they basically couldn't get close to Raul Jimenez. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There was no pressing. He was, he was, he, what he did was very skillful, very good. But at the same time, he got he got given far too much time, and and, and that that's where the goals came from. It was the fact that we 
most of the game didn't press. We didn't we didn't press them at the back. So for example, you had Joe Linton who never really closes down, uh, and when he does, it's kind of half it's half hearted. Um, they then allowed to kind of bring the ball out. As I say, Moutinho Neves, loads of space. Jimenez is allowed to drop deep. Nobody, nobody tracks him. He's allowed to drop deep. He's allowed to carry the ball and he's allowed to slide it through to Hechan. Nobody's tracking Hechan. So the goal come from the fact that we literally struggle to mark players. We don't press and we just give teams the, the freedom to, to pretty much do what they like. So yeah, to blame Dollar would be would be harsh. Remember me. <laughs> exactly. Took my chances though. Um, it's like literally, Steve. We're going to have to win every single game, three two or four three. Because, and I meant to say this earlier. You, you've articulated this well in the past. It's literally like to Steve Bruce post game. It's like we we have to take all our chances. They need to miss all theirs, and then we'll win. That's how it works with Steve Bruce. Like, well, if we took our chances, like I said, well, if fucking Southampton took their chances, they'd have been five 0 up. It's forgetting. It's forgetting, isn't it? It's forgetting that there's another team playing. Yeah. Like, you know, you'd say, well, every single manager in the league, Daniel Falker could say, well, if we take our chances, you know, the two that they create per game, and the other team didn't take theirs, then we'll win. So that's it. That we've, that we've worked it out. If the other team doesn't create chances and we take ours, then we'll win. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, mate. I think I, I think Darlow is poor for both goals, but poorer than Darlow in terms of why they scored um, is that, that the lad who scored for, for Wolves is basically on the edge of Newcastle's six-yard area under no no real pressure at all. Um, and, and if you look at where the goals come from, they come from nothing. It's not like, you know, this is a well-worked move. It's not like, yes, there's a good pass and a good finish involved. But both times, it's like Newcastle concede the ball very, very quickly in midfield. Five seconds later, they've scored. It's like the goal of Aston Villa, mate. Throw in. No pressure on the throw-in, no pressure on the cross, no pressure on Danny Ings, and all of a sudden Steve Bruce has stood there at full time saying, oh, what a you know, brilliant goal, there's not a lot you can do. When there's four or five individual things you can do to stop these goals from happening, we are there's a nothing defensive to work out, mate. The, the, the opposition, when the play against us, has nothing to work out, other than put three players on Sam Maximin. That is literally all other teams have to do, because it's not even like Wolves this week would have had to have like done specific training sessions to counter what Newcastle offer, right? Basically, like I could have just said to his players, all right, what we're going to do is this week, threes are going to mark Sam Maximin, and the rest of you are going to get loads of space. So just do what you do in the training ground, basically. Joao, Joao, Ruben, you know, you, you lads know how to pass a ball around. You're going to be allowed to do it. So well, something, will, something will give eventually. And that, that's, that's what happened. Wolves, Wolves had, not, there was nothing to unlock. There was nothing to work out. It was just vast amounts of space, little pressure. And it was very easy for them, even though they played poorly, even though it was only one goal deficit. It was still very easy for Wolves to win that game. Very, yeah. Very, very easy. Newcastle have two shots basically in the game. Uh, the second was the St. Maximin six yard shot, which their goalkeeper makes himself big. Good save. You'd expect, you, you would argue, and Bruce clearly thinks that he should score that. You know, Bruce mentioned that in his post match game. And I, I don't think it happens at other clubs where, like, where a team or a player misses one chance in a game, one, and the manager stood there at full time saying, well, if we're taking that chance. I mean, I would put it to you, Norman, that if we're taking that chance, Wolves would just score again. Because it was so easy for them, um, Bruce again ignores that fact. <laughs> Jeff Hendrick got booed on <laughs> to the pitch. Willock went down. Classic Bruce here in Newcastle. Willock went down twice and had to have treatment. Didn't go off, and then went down a third time and went off. And it's like, so he he is essentially been playing on injured because he clearly couldn't run. Why he was on the pitch? He brought on. Hendrick, which is an unpopular choice. The substitution was booed. I don't think it was the player who was booed. I think it was the substitution that was booed. And, and let's face it, Hendrick scored a nice goal, but was terrible all game. 
much like the rest of his teammates. The goal came from some good work from Sir Maximin. A nice little through ball, probably overhit. Joe Linton goes through on the keeper, and then Wolves catastrophically give the ball away twice in one of the worst goals I've ever seen defensively. Good finish by Hendrick. He's hit it back across the keeper. Um, my first thoughts when we conceded, mate, was how the fuck has this happened? We do, we do not deserve right. this. What we Absolutely. It came, from, it came from nothing, right? I mean, so it, it's interesting, Bruce, is if only we take my chances. As you say, there was one chance. It was a maximum chance. This this particular goal wasn't necessarily a chance. Okay, yes, Joe Linton got into a good position and, and Maximin may have overhit the ball, but it wasn't necessarily what you'd call a clear-cut chance and Hendrick's goal was, I mean, indicative of his Newcastle career, right? Three really good goals and nothing much else. Um, that, that's kind of what he's done. Um, and even when we equalised, again, the, the celebrations, it wasn't the kind of last days of Rome scenes that were used to in away ends, right? It was like people would go, yeah, get in, jumping up and doing, and then that was it. It just, it, it wasn't like it... it instigated a a kind of wave of support like a load of singing like oh yeah you know we're back but this is it new it was like I oh, will score we'll celebrate then then crack on like it just moves on and and obviously we saw what, what happened right Wolves after we missed our one chance um went and went and got the winner I think it's interesting the Henrik substitution think, thinking back now you remind me mate had we switched the five at the back by the time Henrik came on we didn't switch the five at the back until we were 2-1 down right right okay um so uh, really he drops. He goes to five at the back. Drops Hayden and, and leaves Hendrick and Longstaff in the centre midfield. And you're thinking now. I'm thinking to myself. Well, he should have just pulled one of the centre midfielders and brought Fabian Sheehan and left to Hayden in midfield. I've already, I've already said it. And then that you could argue maybe, maybe that second goal they wouldn't have had that amount of space because Hayden would have been in there filling the hole. But you know, if puts in, maybe he's there. But either goal itself, as you say, great finish. But ultimately, not a goal that made me think we're going to get some. We're going to get something here. It's a goal. It, it's a goal that basically the Wolves keeper pretended to be injured. If he didn't pretend to be injured, we wouldn't have scored it. And you could, you could, if you listen to this, thinking, oh, you're hypercritical, you're never happy. It's like, well, the rest of the game bears out that we're incapable of creating anything. Like you correctly said, Alan St. Maximin, not like Watford, not like Leeds, where he had a couple of players against him, had five players around him at times because Wolves, quite rightly, as it turned out, just thought, just take the ball off this kid. Not, nothing will happen. Don't worry about overlapping runs. Don't worry about space for other players. Don't worry about it. No one will run in the box if he's outside the box. There, were, there was there was a point yesterday uh, where I laughed, I laughed out loud. Uh, St. Maximin got a long ball down the flank, picked the ball up, turned, played the ball back to Isaac Hayden in midfield, who played it back to St. Maximin, got his head up, and there was one player in the box. You know who it was? I'm going to say it was Javier Manquillo. Javier Manquillo. The right back was in the penalty area waiting for a cross from the centre forward, which is just like, if you want to describe Steve Bruce, like that little spell of play there. Funnily enough, um, Bruce hooked him immediately, immediately after that happened, because I, I think that was Mankio trying to make it happen, just thinking, fucking hell, like someone's got to get in the box. The amount of times, St. Maximan naturally, I can't even blame him, do you know what I mean? Because everyone knows what Alan St. Maximan is. We know he wants the football. He's not, he's not, a, he's not a centre forward. I could name lots of centre forwards who just want to score goals, right? Mm-hmm. So Maxman wants the ball, and he's not going to get the ball standing in the box waiting for crosses that never arrive from from well, like who? <laughs> Miguel Almiron playing on the right hand side of midfield as a left footed player, um, who played in the left. Joe Linton. Those balls are never going to come in. Those crosses are not going to come in. Those through balls are not going to come in. So he goes looking for the ball, and there's just this chasm of space. And I said to you before, I think before recording that. The last 20 minutes of that game after Wolves scored were basically Newcastle engineering positions to allow Matt Ritchie to cross the ball to literally nobody. 
and, and even when we did get players in the box, um, Joe Linton or St Maximine, even if they were in the box, what's going to happen? Do you think Wolves are centre backs are, are remotely concerned? And this is, this is, it's just, it's like what, I use the words chaos, and you, you know these kind of quite extreme words, but it is just chaos. There's no one has a clue on the pitch what is supposed to be happening. There was there was a point yesterday when Jacob Murphy did manage to get down the right hand side. Gale was on the pitch. He made a good run, and and Murphy like inexplicably cut back onto his left foot, which is his weaker foot. When he it was a mad decision, and he was easily dispossessed. And the reason I bring that up is that there was clearly no plan to bring a right. Jacob, you get down the right flank. As soon as you can, smash the ball across the face. Dwight, you get on the end of it. That that clearly wasn't the plan. It was like, go on, Jacob, go and get us a goal. Mm-hmm. Dwight, you're up. Get what goal, mate. There was, there's no, like, right, we've worked on this in the training ground. If we go 1-0 down in the last 20 minutes, we're going to switch inexplicably to the fans, but it's going to work. It's okay. We'll go to a back five. We'll play an additional centre-back despite chasing the game. And But it'll work. We'll do this and it'll work. It's like, no... Matt, Matt Ritchie, can you create space for Matt Ritchie to dig a cross out to literally nail one? And, and, and we stood there at the end, and I'm just thinking, and I <laughs> keep saying it, what are we watching here? We're, we're not watching a group of players that have any kind of plan. Like you correctly said, the players are probably thinking, we need a goal. Why is Ryan Fraser not coming on? Who's more likely to get, to get your goal? Jacob Murphy playing fucking right back, or Ryan Fraser playing right wing? Like what? What you know? People listen. Am I being too harsh? Am I being stupid here? Who is more likely to get you a goal? A midfielder put on as a defender, Mate, or a winger playing right. as a winger? If when we were chasing the game, I'm saying chasing the game because we didn't really chase it. You know, we're supposed to be chasing. The game. When we were supposed to be chasing the game yesterday, two one down with twenty minutes to go, right? Stick Fraser on the right hand side. Stick Maximin on the left. Dwight Gale, three of them up top, right? And, and literally just hoof balls up, just hoof the ball up, hitting hit who up towards the wings. Because if Fraser or Maximin get on the ball, at least something might happen. This this isn't even, this, it's not even like, it's, it, it's almost like that, even that simplistic tactic, which is basically like, you know, Sunday league tactic, right? Hoof the ball up to the wingers and get the ball in the box. It, we're not even capable of doing that. Yesterday, that game, even though Wolves are poor, right? That's got to be one of the easiest defensive games they've had. Like, the defenders must have thought, "God, that was a that was a easy shift one at that. It's a nice one. I'll go and run around the park tomorrow for ninety minutes." Same, exactly, exactly the same as Villa. Um, the the complete and utter lack of penetration is 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 baffling. And you know what else is is really dis- really worrying? You remember when Bruce Bruce's first season, we were a real threat from set pieces. You know, we getting centre halves, getting goals. It's gone. We had corners yesterday. Mate. I don't remember one of them. We, I think, we had four corners perhaps. I don't even know if Wolves had one corner. I cannot remember a single Newcastle United corner yesterday. Like, not one. And, the, and again, you could say, well, if Ryan Fraser's on the pitch, take corners, perhaps something might happen. Uh, it, I, I've got no recollection. Yeah, and it's... it's, it's yeah, and it's, 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 it's across the pitch, isn't it? That you, you talked about the selection dilemmas before. We've, we've accused Bruce in the past, or I've certainly accused Bruce in the past, of just hitting the panic button and changing players. You look at the defensive season, you look at that. Fernandes and Clark start the season in the team, then both are dropped. Now both are back in, or as defensively poor without them as we are with them. But you, you look at, like, decisions across the 90 minutes yesterday. I think he picks the wrong team. I think he picks the wrong team with the wrong players and the wrong selections. Right, So that's already Steve Bruce uh, being a negative influence, in my opinion, on the team for the match yesterday. Then during the game, the deci- the decisions are so inexplicable. The dis- you know, what he could have done yesterday, mate. So who's he got when Joe Willock's injured? Okay. He's got Hayden and Longstaff on the pitch. All right. They're on the pitch. They're in midfield too. He's got Miguel Almiron, Alan St. Maximan, and he's got one player to change in Joe Willock. He could have brought Dwight Gale on then. He could have brought Dick Gale on and thought, right, Gale, you're through the middle. 
We're going to play a 4-3-3. We've got Alan, your left. Um, Miguel, your right. Didn't do that. He could have brought Ryan Fraser on. He could have thought, okay, Ryan Fraser, you go on the right-hand side. Miguel will put you um, on the left-hand side or through the middle. Or Joe, uh, Joe Linton <laughs> will move Joe Linton up top or behind St. Maxman. He didn't do any of those things. He thought... Now we're going to stick to the same system, the same formation, for no other reason that we weren't losing at that point. I think that's the, for simply no other reason. And then, this is the final point I want to make in this part, mate, and possibly get your thoughts. And then towards the end of the game, even though he's had that chance to change it earlier in the game to try and make a positive impact on a game that wasn't going great, he's ended up with a completely different formation. He's ended up with Anson Maximan on the left-hand side again, just like he was against Watford at the end of the game last week. And he's ended up with Dwight Gale up front. Why is he finishing games trying to get... So that that's Steve Bruce's solution to get something from that game is to add another centre-back into the mix, to bring on a centre-forward, and to move St Maximan out to the left. How can he not think, well, I'm finishing games like this, trying to get something more, trying to win a game, but I'm, not, I'm A, not going to start like this, and B, I'm not, I'm not even going to move into this position um, when afforded the, the quite simple opportunity to take off Joe Willock for, for a more attacking-minded player. Than yeah, there's no, everything you've said there... There's nothing I can really add to it because it's so quite clearly obvious that when you're ending games with Maximin in his proper position, in a centre forward, in that proper position, but you're still not carrying that over into your next kind of week's thought process, thinking, well, actually, maybe I should just start with these two like lads in the right positions. Like I, I, Again, mate, it's, it comes into the logic of the substitutions and the changes on the sideline. Who's asking these questions? Who like who who is who's making is it Steve Bruce making these decisions of his own accord and not getting any kind of pushback from his coaches, or is it the coaches saying to Steve Bruce this is what you need to do? Like it, it it's it's inexplicable. Mate. It's truly inexplicable, and I think it's I actually think it's quite unique in Premier League football that that this is this is playing out at a at a club like the, I don't envisage any other club. You know I don't forensically look at other teams, but I don't envisage any other club following a similar sort of thought process. How many teams end up three games off the spin? Eventually putting their players in the right position, but but the following game not like not starting them in the right position. It's it's yeah, it's baffling. And the, the, this is you're exactly right, and this is where the frustration comes in with the punditry and the analysis. When I spoke to Friday night, Monday night club on Five Live this season, you know none of those pundits um, were able to kind of give me any kind of tactical analysis of Steve Bruce's decisions and why he cast out winning games. Instead, it was, well, he did all right at the end of last season. Well, he's scoring some goals, even though what you've correctly said many times, we're not scoring more goals uh, against the opposition that we'll play. It's simply not true. Um, and instead, it's like, we're just going to bypass that because it's so much bullshit that we can't even analyse it. Like Danny Murphy cannot sit there and analyse what you've just said. He could not come back to you. There is no comeback. So instead he just says, oh, well, they're playing a bit better. They're a bit more exciting. We're not more exciting. We're just a bad football team. We're going to move on now to part three of the show where we'll talk a little bit about the away ends, the, the, the mood, and uh, how mine and Norman's day was at Wolves away. So on to part three of the show, mate. Um, Newcastle yesterday, Newcastle away end. Let's talk about that first. Some comments, social media, some comments of people I spoke to after the game outside the ground. Uh, one of the worst awareness in a long time in terms of noise, in terms of atmosphere, even in terms of any noise towards Bruce. What did you make of it? You know what it is? I think using the word one of the worst awareness, it, it's um, it kind of skews it of us slightly because it's not like the fans who are there. They, they don't. None of us want to be in a situation where we just can't be asked to sing. 
because there's nothing to sing for, right? None of us want it to be the worst of the end, right? It's not like it's intentional. It's like there is nothing to be, po- like there's nothing to sing about. There's, we're not getting anything to to kind of be boisterous about, you know? It, it's it's almost like you're already demoralised. Like five minutes of the game, you're already demoralised by what's, what's like you're sort of playing out in front of you. Um, so yes, the end was quiet, but I think justifiably so, right? It's You, you can't just manufacture excitement because there's nothing there to... To, to get you excited about um, and it's funny because even the even the sort of Bruce out chants were kind of half-hearted it was almost like people have just accepted that he's my manager and there's like literally nothing's going to change that unless unless he resigns um, it, or you know we're in a terrible terrible position by January it's almost like well yeah you shite we're shite we're kind of singing about the team we're not even, there's not even any point saying get the manager because he's not. it's not going to make any difference. We're just utterly sick. Um, and what I also noticed, mate, which I thought, and this, you know, this is just kind of um, like a, a hypothesising, right, that a lot of the accents in the end were, were Midlands. Where, where I was, it was a lot of Midlands accents. So to me, it suggests that a lot of the fans there were Midlands-based, you know, Newcastle fans, which is interesting because what that means is it suggests that possibly a lot of um, season ticket holders aren't coming to away games, right? It's like a lot of people who would normally come to away games are kind of gnawing these tickets are, are being picked up by, you know, various other fans scattered around the country. Um, so, I the, the, the away was quiet, but again, it's not, it's, it's not a, it's, it doesn't deserve any criticism. You can't criticise away end because, why? Like, why why should we be bouncing up and down when there's nothing to bounce up and down for? Yeah, I agree. Also, I agree. Also, the, the, the makeup of the, the away end was like physically... You stretched all along the halfway line, so there's, there's there's different songs going, but different points. But it was flat, and it there was no anger there. There was no anger. There was no. There was it. It, it felt apathetic, which is a massive shame. There was hardly any. There were there were a few Bruce out chants broke out. I think home games are going to be the one for that. You'd be under far more pressure at home than he would be, you know, at away games like that. The the, the Bruce out chants were incredibly loud at Watford, at Man United. Um, I just yeah, even me yesterday in the end you would like there is this consistent sense of what am I watching here yeah. what are we watching but we've talked about the, the tactical issues in the game the substitutions you just like it just honestly and this is this is a strong thing to say but it's like I think you said to me before actually it's almost like we'll be better without a manager we'll be better without a manager because all of those decisions again I'm, I'm open to a conversation sometimes if, if someone ever wanted to come on a podcast on our Patreon platform Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I'm going to try and justify what Bruce does in-game. His, his decisions pre-game are batshit for the, for the main, 
but his decisions in game are just like you can't predict them you cannot predict no one in that away and yesterday is thinking we're, we're chasing the game here you know what we need to do we need to go back to five at the back and we need to take off Mancu and bring off Murphy and move Hayden as a centre back like how like how can you predict that decision uh, the players can't predict it how does that happen and that 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 fill you know moves into the end doesn't it that kind of like just being the away end felt lost yesterday it felt lost there wasn't really any banter with the Wolves fan Wolves quite an, an atmospheric ground that the, the home fans are quite good so there was an atmosphere it's not even like all the home fans were shied so we were shied it's just a complete like oh not again type thing fucking hell here we go and I think you, you're going to see that in tight <laughs> you know tight games not a tight game Wolves comfortably won that game our Wolves fan tweeted me after the match I said that was Wolves worst performance of the season and they still won he tweeted me saying no, that was my second worst performance of the season which is very honest of him saying no, we were, we were terrible like I keep saying the Wolves fans were on their team's back all game um, because they were so poor and they've won that game without really breaking sweat mm-hmm. it's the kind of, it's the kind of game like I've said this a lot under Bruce would do resemble a newly promoted side both in terms of how we apply ourselves in games and Bruce's post-match stuff is like well we got beat again we haven't won in eight fixtures this season but it's actually all right because because we didn't get hammered so I think in, in a way ends you are going to start seeing a kind of apathy when it's a low scoring one or two goals between the teams game and uh, like a hammering the, the anger will come out when it's a hammering and that's that's kind of and again I want to say it I think teams know Villa world's the perfect examples I think teams know that they don't have to overextend themselves. They don't have to take a lot of chances against Newcastle. You will get a goal, and if you get a goal, you'll probably win. You, you don't need to get men ahead of the ball. You don't need to flood the penalty area. You don't need to do a lot of these things. You might have to do. You don't need to do against Newcastle. Spot on. That, that, that's that's what I'm saying is that on the training ground before they play Newcastle United, the other the opposition doesn't need to worry about anything in terms of, right, let, we're, having, we're having the tactics meeting with the players. They're all lined up in the, in the room. This is what Newcastle offer. This is how we have to counter it. None of that. It's literally just, all right, we just need to mark Alan San Maximin. Yeah. And whatever happens after that, well, you, you you will get space. You will create chances. You likely will win the game. I mean, that that's it. It's, it's um, yeah, and, and, and as you, that, that kind of plays out, as, as we see in the way end, where we are just absolutely and utterly lacking in any kind of enthusiasm. It's a, there's a malaise almost, yeah. right? A malaise almost, very right? So. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And, you know, we're going to move on to the weekend as a whole, but look at who Newcastle got out injured now. Uh, Martin Dubravka, Jamal Lascelles, Joe Willock, Callum Wilson, John Joe Shelby, Paul Dummett. It's already, we talked about this in pre-season, I know I said this in pre-season, there'll be games next season when Newcastle are missing half a team and it's just accepted. It's not even talked about really. Bruce will talk about it when he runs out of like <laughs> alleged positives. But it's like, if Newcastle have now got six or seven players not starting, why is that? Why is it always us? Why under Steve Bruce at every club he's been at, is there an ever-mounting injury crisis? Why was Joe Willock wearing a protective boot last week, played 90 minutes, now he's out injured? Why was Callum Wilson played against Southampton when he had a slight niggle and a twinge on his thigh? Why was John Joe Shelby rushed back from quite a serious thigh injury um, now he has another thigh injury after like a game and a half of playing. In fact, not, well, one of them wasn't even a competitive game. This it's it just stinks of a relegation season. It just stinks of relegation. And anyone who says otherwise can only point to the fact that Bruce won five wins in nine games. How many points were picked up in the last thirty-eight games, mate? In the league, you had Ooh, a look I yesterday. I think it's thirty-six. Thirty-six points. Thirty-six points for Bruce across his last full league season. Stinks of relegation. 
Seven wins in the past in all competition. 37 games. Stinks of relegation. This isn't a bad start to the season. It's just more of the same. It's just more of the same without the miracle of Joe Willock happening towards the end of last season. That's that's literally it. That's literally it, and it's a very depressing place to be. Norman, what a good we weekend. Have, though, we have what a city Birmingham is. This is another time I've spent... A weekend in Birmingham just thought like it get it seems to get better every time. Like um from like the from little things like the taxi driver, like basically taking the piss, like saying Steve Bruce is doing a good job though. And he's a Birmingham City fan, the taxi driver. But the way he said it, you knew it was tongue in cheek, right? Uh, I thought that, that was just like a nice little touch. Um the fact that we have found a pub that like I wanted to be me local, even though it's you know it's like logistically impossible. Um and we ate like food this really good food at this in this Indian kind of craft brewery place that did outrageously good uh Nan breads full of full of curry. It was just a I just a, a brilliant weekend all in all. Take out the football, mate. That's the thing, isn't it? And I, I put I put I think I tweet out Friday night saying it would just it would just be nice just to win and play well and just go home and just have a nice time. None of this bullshit about tactics, none of this stuff about the manager standing there talking shit at the end of the game, none of the manager lying, none of his media pals. Just win. Could we just win a game for once and have a nice time? And so many people reply and so many people get in touch just saying it is like going to football and following Newcastle away is because travelling with your friends and family across England is fun. Everything else about it is like abhorrently but shit. You can't let now you can't let the game have any impact on your day unless it, unless it's a win. Like if, so let's say Newcastle win, what it does is it might make the day slightly better because it's a win, right? But I'm at the stage now where the defeat doesn't make the day worse. Like, you know, whereas in the past that would have been like I'd been devastated post match after a defeat. Absolutely gutted. Of course it has an impact on you, you know, and then you might sit down, have a couple of pints and go through it and you feel a bit better. I'm at the stage now where like as soon as the whistle blows, I'll be thinking about it, thinking about how bad it is, but I'm not letting it impact on, on any other part of the day. It's like I'm still gonna have a good time. That's it. Yeah, and uh, it's a shame we'll have no more fixtures <laughs> no, no, this season no. because it's uh, one new favourite city. Um not favourite, obviously, second favourite after Newcastle. But uh, I, it's been it's been a it's been a good weekend, and it's, it's just it's just such a shame that like we will have this chancer, this bloke who who knows he can't do the job, and just wants some more. He wants some extra zeros in his bank accounts, and it affects all of our lives. Everyone listen to this in such a negative way. Spurs next um, international break now, thank fuck, and uh, we'll have lots and lots of shows about Newcastle United on our Patreon platform. It's five pound fifty a month. This podcast you've just listened to was uploaded ad free. And uh, you'll hear me, Norman, and some of our close friends a lot on that over the next couple of weeks and beyond. So hope you can join us. Thanks very much for listening. We really appreciate the support. We will be back to you on the free podcast uh, definitely uh, after Spurs at home. We'll have a couple of free podcasts before that. Thanks for listening. Ta-da.